Hallelujah. Welcome if you're if you're visiting with us. Welcome. I just uh, pray that you feel feel uh, welcomed in our midst. We're a, we're a pretty informal group, and uh, we love the Lord with all our hearts. <clears throat> I always say people can go crazy at sporting events and yell and jump and go go nuts and have foam fingers, and nobody questions their sanity. But as soon as you do that for Jesus, people are like, "You're a fanatic." So we got a few fanatics, admittedly. For Jesus, but if you're going to be a fanatic, that's the best person to be, the best cause to be a fanatic for. So I, I'm Pastor Sue. <clears throat> I just want to read. Hey, thanks, Sean. Bless the Lord. I just want to re- uh, read this morning the song of Moses and Miriam from Exodus 15. And then we're going to do a few things. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. For both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea, the best of Pharaoh's officers, and drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw them down. Those who opposed you, you unleashed your burning anger and it consumed them. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The surging water stood like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you, God, you blew them with your breath. Sounds a little bit like Revelation, doesn't it? And the sea covered them and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory and working wonders. I'm just going to stop there. There's a few things going on amongst uh, our people right now. There's there's um, some health stuff going on. There's some legal issues going on. There's things going on. And we can proclaim the victory of the Lord before we see those results. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of that not yet seen. And what we know is the character of God. We don't always know the exact precise outcome or the timing, but we know who God is, and we know that he's faithful, and we know his character, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So um, Lorraine just popped out. Uh, So Lorraine's husband, Richard, has had a stroke, and um, he's been in the hospital uh, for probably five days already. Um, So let's pray for Richard, (coughs) Richard McDonald. Um, Ken isn't back yet. He's had surgery, but he's, he's, uh, I always think of him when somebody says revival. Ken's praying for a revival. Let's pray for Ken's healing. He's got a couple more surgeries. We, um, I just, our other Ken and his family need prayers, especially this week. There's, there's things going on. We have a lot of, um, a lot of things to pray for. Heard a cool analogy this week of prayer. You know, Jesus said, where, wherever two <clears throat> or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And we know that a three-strand cord is not quickly, easily broken. But here's a, here's a cool analogy from fishing. Any fishermen? Fisher ladies? Sorry. <laughs> I got some more fisher ladies than fishermen, I think. 
So if you know what a two-pound test line is, two-pound test line should hold two pounds before it snaps. So if you're fishing for little fish, you're going to use a two-pound test. You want something bigger, you got to go heavier line. But if you took a two-pound test line and you, you wound it up with another two-pound test line, how much should that hold? Four pounds. Sounds, like, sounds logical, right? But it doesn't. It holds six to eight pounds. And if I took a third two-pound test line and I wrap it together with the other two-pound test lines, mathematically, you would think six pounds, right? Uh-uh, 15 pounds. It doesn't make sense. But I think God does things like that in the natural to show us what his math looks like in the spirit. It's exponential. So when we come together in prayer and we agree, we agree, and we may not always even know all the details, but our hearts agree, God, you are the victor in this situation, that we work from the victory of Christ on the cross to the outcomes that he will bring in the earth as his people pray. It's a partnership. You know, if we're just waiting, oh, God, you, you need to do this. And he says, okay, waiting, waiting, waiting for the man to stand in the gap, waiting for, to hear those prayers, waiting until those bowls in heaven are full, right, of the prayers of the saints. And he says, pray. Pray. There was that saying, push, right? Pray until something happens. So let's agree together for some of these things. And maybe just like pray with the people next to you in your pews. We don't have to just pray from the front, but would you just in your little groups? I know it's not always what we do, but hey, change is good. Just just pray. Just pray. Pray together out loud. Just gather and pray. And, and of those things that we've mentioned or other things that you're aware of that I'm not aware of. So just gonna give you a couple minutes. Go. Hallelujah. Well, the scripture says pray without ceasing, and I think you guys were taking that pretty literally, so we're going we're gonna to jump in. And uh, do you feel loved? I hope you feel loved. And um, it's just so good. Uh, again, a burden shared is a burden halved, and a joy shared is a joy doubled. So that's, we're family and we, we want to share things together and uh, bear one another's burdens and, wanna, and share one another's joys. I have the, uh, the privilege of, of doing something that we don't get to do very often. And uh, unfortunately, Lorraine popped out on us before I could uh, do this. I didn't realize she was going out so early, but she's gone to see Richard in the hospital. Uh, Lorraine is retiring as our church administrator. And maybe not all of you knew that Lorraine was the secretary, treasurer, Lorraine runs her own business, the Artisan's Attic, and does a million other things, has had her husband in care for a number of years, and just is one very busy gal. And we have so appreciated her, her just her competence and her joy and her, she's been a phenomenal, phenomenal asset to this body. So um, we have a little card and gift for Lorraine from, from the church, but please uh, thank her personally and just give her a hug and say, you are awesome. Thank you for serving the Lord and serving us because um, she, needs, she needs to hear those thanks and just to honor her, right? Honor is part of the kingdom. And Richard DeGroote is also, Richard's looking at me like, no, 
Come on up, Richard. You're here. <laughs> sorry, you, sorry you end up being alone. You can bring your wife with you if you want, but I think you, you'll manage. Richard um, has been a director. I don't even know for how many years, Richard. A lot of years, right? I didn't, I, before I ever came on board, so a lot of years. Do you know offhand? Do you know how many years? Okay, so Richard has served on our, our Back board. About 95. 95? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I don't, very few of us would have been here even then. Uh, Bruce and Jan and uh, Suzanne and Richard and Kevin and Michelle probably are, 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 are uh, long timers. So uh, we just want to thank you, Richard, for your service and uh, leadership and that Richard is a father in the kingdom. He said to me, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I know, we're counting on that. But um, he is stepping down from being on the board of directors. And Richard has always been our go-to guy for if there was stuff wrong with the church. Um, I don't know if you were, remember the period where someone was breaking into our front door pretty consistently, like just before we got the, the gate and cutting out the glass and doing all these very creative things. And Richard <laughs> was Bruce's go-to guy to like, Richard, help, we've had, we've had another thing or whatever, whatever it is. So he's, he's done all of the painting in these rooms. Um, just most of the maintenance that has needed to be done has been Richard and does it quietly and inobtrusively. And he is a true servant. So just reach out your hand to Richard. Bruce, do you want to come and just pray for Richard? He loves, and he loves the attention too. He loves to oh, be boy. singled out. <laughs> He, he um, we were, we were uh, in the kitchen putting a, a new, uh, Hood fan? no, what was a microwave. microwave, and we didn't put it high enough, so we had to change it, but Richard came right away to do that, and he didn't even shout out when I couldn't hold it, and his fingers started splurting blood all over the place, <laughs> so he was very kind to me, he didn't uh, get mad at me, okay, but we, we just, we just want to bless him because he's uh, also said that he's still going to come and help me when there's stuff needing to be done yeah (laughs) amen heavenly father we just we just pray a blessing on Richard and Suzanne because a man and a wife are are one person that's what it says and they work together and 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 they they lead together we thank you for that we thank you for the time that uh, Richard um, shared uh, things about communion, Father, and, and, and I, I miss them already, and he's only not been doing it a couple of times, but I, I thank you for that time. And it was, a, it was a little bit of a stretch for him, but in Scripture it says, when I am weak, he'll make me strong. And that's what happened, Father. That happens with all of us. That you, you, even when we're weak, even when we think we don't measure up, you make us strong. Paul said that, Father, and I thank you for that, Father. Just a blessing on Richard and Suzanne and their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for letting us embarrass you. So uh, typically I, I like to have a, um, a passage that I uh, teach off of uh, and more exegetically, but um, the Lord seems to have me going back to more of a topical Thing today, so Gord, if you could just put up the there's a couple of slides, and then we're going to do something a little different. Our Sunday school teachers were away today, so I thought we were going to actually have a lot more kids Oops. than we do, but that's okay. So um, 
some of our young people, I hope you're, you're going to participate with me in this. Is it coming? So um, a while back we talked about a discipleship model using the acronym FISH, and it's all about growing, growing in, in certain aspects, and um, it will be there in faith. And so the F in FISH is, for those who remember, Freedom. Freedom. Okay, so we're at get, get, review is good. Review is good. Fish. F is for freedom. Growing in freedom in Christ. Christ came to set us free. It is for freedom. You have been set free. That's in the context of the law, but freedom from our past, freedom from sin, freedom from self, freedom from the lusts of the flesh. There we go. Oh, so now you don't have to guess what the next one is. What's I? Okay, oh, well done. A-plus student, good, good job, you can read, good. So uh, our identity in Christ, and that's a bit of what we're going to talk about today. Um, We have uh, just incredible things attacking the identity of our younger generations right now, questioning who they are at their very core of their being. And identity in Christ, uh, we have to have those things in place and we have to be able to teach it to others. And it's based in the word of God. And we believe that the word of God is authoritative and without error. We believe in the supremacy of God and the, the authority of his word and that his word does not return void. The spirit, as his spirit, learning to be led by the spirit of God. All of these we preface with learning to. We're in progress we, none of us get it perfect all the time, but by the Spirit of God, as we're in the Word together, as we become a community, which is H, is the heart-focused community. Just being in community doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to grow in Christ. If we're a rule-based community, uh, growth in Christ and growth in the walking in the Spirit may not be as evident, but we're in a heart-focused community that says, I know who you are, and I know who you are in Christ. What you're doing right now, if it's a behavioral thing, it's much easier for behavior to conform to an identity that is based in God than it is for me to try to just say, that behavior is not appropriate here. I'd rather know that you know that you are heaven-appropriate, and then you will behave in a way that is heaven-appropriate if you're in Christ. Make sense? Okay, so the next, the next slide. So the, the, the sort of the schematic, the idea behind this is it actually starts with identity, and identity is, is, um, is based in God. So the arrow is going to heaven, that we are, we are the people of God living on earth, but we're strangers and aliens in the world, right? And that we are destiny is heaven, but that God will, Christ is bringing his eternal kingdom through us on earth. And that freedom, and I think the reason it, the arrow is going down, this, isn't, this is from Deeper Walk Ministries, this isn't original with me, um, is that we have to die to self. The, you can cast out a devil, but you can't cast out self. You have to die to self. Right? Galatians 2.20. 
I have been, if I believed in Christ, I have been crucified. He died for me. He died as me on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So, uh, and then baptism is, is uh, baptism in, the, in water which we would hope is at the beginning of your journey. If it's not, we can do it at any point. But if you read the book of Acts, it's believed and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Believe first, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and be baptized in water. Uh, you can do it. In, we have examples of either order. The important thing is to believe, be born again by the Spirit of God, by faith, be, be, go down in, under the water, come up uh, new in Christ, the old man dies, the new man is raised to life, and then you become uh, part of a heart-focused community, and all of this is overseen and guided and established by the Holy Spirit as we walk with him, keep in step with him, learn his voice, learn to follow, learn to obey. Obedience is a big deal, and it's a joy. My commandments are not burdensome. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, says Jesus and then it's not just so we can become a happy, clappy community. It's not just so we can have joy and peace and keep it to ourselves. The whole thing is about the king bringing the kingdom. So the whole thing is about raising people who raise other believers, who go out into the world as salt that gives spice and preserves and light that dispels darkness and says, you don't look really happy today. How can I pray for you? What? You want to pray for me? Yeah, I do. I know somebody who can change your life. I know somebody who can give you purpose and meaning. Mission. We're on mission. We're always praying, God, use me. Bring the light into the world. Change, dispel the darkness through me. So today I just want to focus on um, a couple aspects of identity. So uh, I think there's one more slide. So <clears throat> as we're talking about identity and I, and I know you just, you just know um, how under attack this is in our kids to the very foundations of who they are and that we all act out of identity. Um, it, I'm sure most of us, but I, obviously from the news, not all of us are shocked and saddened and appalled at Hamas's attack on Israel and the barbarism that went on there, just unthinkable, unspeakable nausea-inducing horrors that went on there. And I want to tell you what, where did that start? It started with identity. It started with children who were told who their enemy was and were told that any means to eradicate that enemy was acceptable. And they were, they were schooled in who they were and what it's like them to do. Because you kind of, you know, any normal civilized individual says, what on earth? How can people even do this much less filament and take joy in it? It's because of identity. It's because this is God meant for you to be schooled in a certain way and be shaped and developed and that you would be amongst a people who said, this is who you are and this is what it's like you to do. And that is meant to be the church. The ecclesia is meant to be that salt and light that says, this is who you are. This is who you are. You know, I hear my three-year-old granddaughter reciting Bible verses. 
and she knows who she is. She knows she's a child of God. She looks through advertisements, and she saw like a red ribbon on the advertisement. It was just some kind of banner, and she goes, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's looking for kingdom wherever she looks. She saw a thread thread going through an advertisement and, and started to say, I'm identifying Holy Spirit in that now. She's three, so don't, don't, don't be too hard on her theology, but she's looking for the kingdom of heaven because that's what she hears from her mommy and daddy every day. People can do amazing things if they know who they are in Christ and then we're secure in God and we're not worried about who gets credit for what. We're not worried about what people say or think about us, you know. I, I, apparently I have some pretty cool reviews on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I don't really care. I'm being facetious or horrible. And that's okay. I don't mind. I'm like, hallelujah, blessed are those who are, who are persecuted for Christ. It's not really qualifying even as persecution. But the important thing is that we are a family, that we're listening for the Spirit of God, we're walking in truth, and we're growing. So this morning... Um, I, I just want to focus on this one idea, and it's pardon. Now, you all are, we're, we're adults and young people, and we are, most of us, not very new in the faith. We have some ideas and some definitions. So somebody tell me, what, what's, what is your understanding of pardon? What is pardon? Shout it out. To be forgiven, yes. Any other aspects or... What is pardon? Acquitted. Excellent. We have a lot of words we use in churchianity, and um, my husband and I were Bible translators, so when you sometimes get words and you, you, you have to sit and sort of unpack the concept um, because you might not want to transfer a whole word into another language. So it's like, what's the idea behind this concept? Redeemed. Todd's holding up his, his hat. Redeemed, but redeemed is another one of those words, Todd, that we've got to unpack, right? So I'm going to give you uh, four or five words this morning that are words that, that we use. You don't use them in your everyday conversation, but they're in the scriptures, and we need to understand what they are to understand our identity, and I want, you're going to be a lot happier. That when it, the, when the, if the weather is like this, I lived in Africa and <laughs> below the Sahara Desert for a long time, so this kind of weather is very challenging to me. I'm like, not again. When we first moved here, Nathaniel said, when does rainy season end, Mom? And I'm like, it doesn't. Maybe it's like July, August, September, possibly. I don't, you know, when does it not rain? But um, so some of the things that I need to, to do to get the clouds off my mindset is to focus on things that are true in my identity and to to understand what Christ has done for me so I think correctly. Somebody said that you are only as strong in spiritual warfare as you are able to um, maintain your thought life. It's not something you don't know, right? Sean said this morning at the renewing our minds in Christ, taking every thought captive to Christ, right? To what? What's the next part of that verse? Second Corinthians 10. 
Yeah. The rest of it is to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. So that says, God is asking us to come next level. Not just not think the bad. Take the bad and bring it to obedience to Christ. So if I'm having a struggle, this last week I met someone who has done some harm to this body. I met them and I did not respond. I didn't respond negatively, but I didn't respond positively. And I was like, oh God, I bring that. I bring that thought into obedience to Christ and that I could go from being a neutral thought the negative thought made it to neutral it didn't quite make it to positive I was like needs some submission to Christ here but what if that thought if I took that like an enemy soldier someone from Hamas and I captured the Hamas soldier and I re-indoctrinated him to the love of God and the kindness of the father and that that Hamas soldier becomes a Christian, and a brother in the Lord. That's, that is taking every thought captive and bringing it to the obedience to Christ that that thought, like a renegade soldier, is actually going to turn around and serve me. That's next level. I've been able, when I was a new Christian, I used to think about lassoing a thought and bringing it in. Come on, little doggy, right? Get him down on the ground, tie him up so he doesn't hinder me anymore. But next level is taking that thought and bringing it to the obedience of Christ. So I'm challenged on that. I'm not preaching from, I got this down and I'm going to tell you how it goes. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. This is our journey together. We are growing in obedience to Christ. We are growing in being led by the Spirit. So let's get back to pardon. Um, Can I have a couple people like maybe an Isaac? Are you willing to be a... Help me with a demonstration up here. Maybe. A little dubious. Um, Desiree, are you? Would you? No. It's okay to say no. That's fine. Um, so who, okay. Who's young at heart that would like to help me out over up here? Who are you pointing at there, Marvina? I got one. I need four. I need a few more. Oh, Bruce, you're not just going to sit and look pretty today. This sounds like grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so Bruce is all in. Well, we'll start with you two, and then we'll see, um, see who else we can get. So um, some, some of the big words we're going to unpack today. So Isaac is going to help me with justification. <clears throat> justification. This is actually a rubber mallet from our camping set, but it's meant to be a gavel. All right, so you just have to use your imaginations a little bit. Who uses a gavel? A judge. Is God a judge? Yes, God is a judge of all the earth. Justification is a legal term for pardon. So when we say, I am justified by what? By works? By faith. We are justified by faith. We're no longer under the sacrificial system that was about keeping the law and bringing the sacrifices and sprinkling the blood. But the, the wrath of God is appeased through what or whom for us? How are we justified? Through Christ, right? Through Christ, through his death. So Colossians 2 says, When you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. I'm going to put that down for a second and give Isaac. 
don't take it personally, Izzy, okay? Because it gets better. The good, the good news has to start with bad news. Can you just hold that one for me? He doesn't look guilty at all, so you're, you're good. It's gonna, the, the, the good news comes after the, the bad news, so guilty. So we have a problem that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? And so we have this problem where all of mankind is guilty. But Colossians says when Christ was nailed to the cross, the, the legal indebtedness was like a document that was against us. And the enemy loves to try that one, doesn't he? You said this. You did that. I know who you are. I know what you did. But that was nailed to the cross. Christ has taken it away. That which stood against us, he took it away, and he disarmed the powers and the authorities and made a public spectacle of them. So out of... What's the opposite of guilty? Whew, didn't want to leave that on you very long there, fella. There you go. That one says innocent. He looks better already, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like very relieved. Nobody wants to stand there with a big guilty. So, so when Christ came and, and legally before God, because there are books in heaven and God is a judge, Christ's death nailed everything that was ever against us, whether through the sin of Adam that we inherited or the things we have done or not done, omission, commission, and he nailed it to the cross, and Isaac and all the rest of us who have believed in Christ became innocent. When you think of innocent, what do you think of? Babies. Yeah, babies. They're, they're just fresh and clean, and, you know, they, they, they learn how to... To, to do things as they go. They're born with a sin nature, uh, but they are innocent, and they are lovely, and they're pure, and they're, they're just a wonder. Right? Can you just look at a baby for, like, the longest time and just wonder? Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man, and that would be Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who received God's abundant provision of grace, Bruce, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So another thing happened. Isaac, you get another sign. Another thing happened. Because not only was, was Isaac declared not guilty and innocent, that was talking about the legal standing. He was also, here's, a, here's another biblical word, imputed or given without any payment righteousness so what is righteousness you get to hold that too you can hold them side by side what is righteousness right standing with God put that in some layman's terms for me Marcus I like the way you said that okay so not only are we declared innocent before God, not guilty, dong, 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 not guilty, you walk, no price to be paid because someone paid it for you, but then you are made righteous relationally with God. You are restored to God, you are reconciled, another biblical word. We talk about reconciling books, Okay. You are reconciled legally on paper. You are reconciled relationally where God says, hey, you and I, we're good. 
we're good, right? That is huge because some of us, the enemy likes to come and say, you messed up. And we don't feel like we're always right with God. Anybody ever experienced this? Maybe I'm not so right with God. Maybe God isn't, you know, maybe I'm not his favorite anymore. <laughs> what happened? And you need to know you were pardoned. Legally, it doesn't change. God did not change his verdict. You were given the righteousness of Christ. We are, scripture says, the righteousness of Christ in God. We don't have to fear judgment and punishment. If this isn't enough to make you dance, you may not have had your coffee this morning because that is, that is super good news. That is super good news. And it's good for us to be able to have these concepts and be able to unpack them for other people because the general knowledge of society on biblical understanding or foundations is like it's it's so low it's non-existent right and we need to be able to start with explaining you and God right now are not friends because he is holy and none of us are holy is another world term holy is from heaven not earth the earth is full of the glory of God because he made it but it's all tainted by sin so we need to be able to convey to people you got a problem fortunately God initiated the answer. Let's give Isaac a hand. Yay! You can sit down, buddy. Thank you. So, we are justified. And we are made what? And? You have to remember, I can't hold them both up. Innocent. So, we were guilty before God because of sin. And Christ's payment legally set it straight. And that's good news. That is good news. And no one is, comes any other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because no one else qualified to pay that debt. There is no one else. And then people struggle with that and say, why is that so exclusive? Why is Christianity so exclusive? Because Jesus is God. And only God could satisfy that perfect payment that he became a man unthinkable God becomes a man do you know in the old testament like in Daniel he is called the living God in Psalms he's called the living God because David and other people who knew him said hey this guy's like what talks this guy talks this guy listens this God moves this God comes and intervenes in my life he's not a statue he's not a chunk of wood all right good First thing is, in pardon, four aspects of pardon. The first one is justification. I was guilty, now I'm innocent, and I've given Christ's righteousness. I'm not just, not just my guilt is wiped away, but I'm given Christ's righteousness. You still with me? You got to still good. All right, purification. I forget what my. All right, it's bad before it's good, right? It's bad before it's good. And this, will really, this one will really touch Bruce because Bruce is always the one that washes the floor. <laughs> so in our unredeemed state, we are stained. We're, what are we stained by? Not coffee. Sin. We are stained by sin. And it's not one of these things where you can just wipe it away, you know, like if you get, I don't know, get something on your 
You know, if you put milk, spill milk on your clothes, well, you're not in such bad shape. Spill coffee on your clothes, well, you may not be wearing that shirt again, right? It stains, and we are stained. We are guilty, and we are stained, and we need to be purified. So purification, and if you've ever made your way through the lovely book of Leviticus, there's actually a lot of good stuff in there. It's heavy reading, but Leviticus is all about purification, so somebody give me, what's purification? How do you understand purification? Yeah. Cleansing, right? Cleansing. So it's First um, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So even though I was imputed with righteousness, I was given the righteousness of Christ. I'm in process. I didn't go from being whatever I was yesterday, to being new in Christ, and everything absolutely changed. I didn't have any bad habits. I'm learning to think like Jesus thinks. I'm learning to live like Jesus lives, and I get stuck sometimes. Anybody get stuck? Okay, so, you know, God might do this. (laughs) You know, uh, I just went out the other day, and usually Gord does all the hedge trimming at our house because our hedge is really tall, and I can't do that anymore. And, uh, but there was a little hedge we planted at the back, and I could, so I got out there. Between rain drops, I got out with a hedge trimmer, and I think I gave everything that had leaves in our yard a haircut. I'm like, Bam! I was just having fun. And I trimmed this hedge, and I heard this somebody say this. The reward for growth is pruning. Ouch! What? It was only the hedge that was growing the best that needed pruning. And I was, I was leveling it off so it would grow thicker and stronger. The reward for growth is pruning. Does that help you if you're feeling a little like you're getting pruned right now? It's because God has taken off the superficial stuff, the stuff that doesn't help us, the stuff that isn't kingdom, and he's clipping us back. John 15, you have already been made clean by the washing of what? I'm testing you. You have already been made clean by the washing of the word. John 15, you have already been made clean by the washing of the word. That's like bring it to obedience to Christ, right? These John's, um, Jesus said to the disciples, you have already been made clean, right? Peter Oh, don't just wash my feet then, Lord. Wash my head. You've already been made clean, John. Don't get extreme on me. Right? You're made clean by the washing of the word. It can also be understood as you are being, have been pruned by the washing of the word. But pruning will continue because we walk in a world that is not the kingdom of heaven yet. Right? So what do you think, Bruce, needs to happen over here? What would be the opposite? Cleansed. Cleansed. I can read. I can I will exchange. In the kingdom we do exchanges. Jesus exchanges his holiness, his righteousness, his grace for our imperfection, our sin, our lack. It's the divine exchange. And he just you just kind of wonder like what would motivate him? He gets the short end of the stick. But he loves us so much. Wonder of wonders, he believes we're worth it. 
And so as we deal with one another, remember that. God believes you're worth it, and I need to treat my fellow brothers and sisters like someone who God believes was worth dying for. Make sense? Okay, so we've got justification. We've got purification. Okay, so now sanctification. Sounds very similar. How would you distinguish between sanctification and purification? What would sanctification be? Set apart for what? For righteousness and for God. Okay, so what kinds of things were sanctified in the Old Testament? Everything in the temple, everything in the tabernacle, the temple itself. So here's the idea with sanctification. There is heaven and there is earth. We are of the earth and the things of the earth in order to be made acceptable to a heavenly being have to be sanctified. What did they use to sanctify them in the Old Testament? Blood of bulls and goats, right? Blood of bulls and goats. So in order to be made heaven appropriate, because Christ hasn't yet set up his kingdom on earth, the tabernacle and everything that had to do with the worship of God had to be sanctified by blood. So how does that work for us? How are we sanctified? Well, I better give, are you my model now, Bruce? Are you like my permanent model? He looks happy. He said he was just going to sit and look pretty diggy so I think this fits. Oh, okay. You're saying I tried to put words in your mouth? Now I'm just putting words in front of you, not in your mouth. There we go. So, um, so, so Bruce is earthly, and God wants him to be heavenly, which is like a whole other planet. It's a whole other place because God is holy, and we were not, and we're being made holy. So there he is. He's earthly. So sanctification, if you can think of it, is being made heaven appropriate. Every day, right? So who is the temple of God now? Yeah. We are, I am, you are individually, and then together we are the living stones that make the temple of God. So we are being made heaven appropriate. Because I always say God has to live with us for eternity, so he'd like to get some of the rough edges off first, right? <laughs> so if you're feeling like you're getting rubbed or, you know, abraded or pruned, it's all good. It's all good. It's part of the sanctification process. So, um, Ephesians 1.13 says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's part of um, sanctification. For what by one sacrifice, Hebrews 10, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So if justification was about a legal system, and purification was about my life without sin. Sanctification is about worship. Because I'm the offering. No more bulls and goats. 
I'm the offering. So when I come to worship, God wants me to be sanctified. He wants me to be heaven appropriate. And so then if we know this, we know what it is like us to be like, what it's like us to act like, what it's like us to speak like, what it's like us to react like, because we would say that is heaven appropriate. And that is a whole lot bigger and more effective motivation than rules. Because if I know who I am and I know whose I am, I'm going to act in an appropriate way. Okay, so when we see someone who is maybe not acting heaven appropriate, but they're claiming that they are an offering to the Lord, then we can come along and remind them who they are, right? Remind them of their true identity and that those things are not maybe heaven appropriate because they have been made. Another exchange, Bruce. Yay. Holy. And holiness is is completely of another world. It's supernatural. So we are made holy. So even on the days when you don't necessarily feel holy, your feelings can lie to you. Just want us, want us to all be aware of this. Feelings typically lie to us. Don't go by what you feel. Go by the truth of the word of God and tell your own self, I am holy. I am holy because God has made me holy and I'm being made like him. Um, is this clock working? Is that the right? Oh, well, hey, look at us go. Yes. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So we had a legal setting justification. We had a practical life setting with how do we live without sin? Because <laughs> we'd be the only group that would be able to do that in the earth. So that's important. Then we had a worship setting where we need to be made heaven appropriate. And then there's another setting, which um, I have a prop for. I'll take, you're still holy, but I'm just moving you on now. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> we have a very interesting relationship today. I thought you were going for the mallet. Oh, no. No. Okay. So what is what is what is Bruce now? He's bound, <clears throat> and someone who is bound in chains is what? What 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 are the possibilities? A slave, or a prisoner. You could be a prisoner because you did something rotten, and they have to chain you up, or you could be a slave, not because necessarily you did anything rotten, other than you fell into some kind of pit and can't get out, right? So all of us are slaves without Christ. We're slaves to something, whether it's our own lusts, slaves to the world, slaves to our, our, our self and our desires, but we're slaves. And the word redeemed, so here's part of pardon, and I think Marcus mentioned this earlier on, part of pardon, pardon blah, blah, is that I am purchased off of a slave market. I'm purchased. I was bought at a very great price, and I was bought off a slave block. And 
who else? Nobody else has bought me. <laughs> I have a, uh, you, you, might want, you might pray for me after this story, but when we were kids, I had a pesky cousin named Jill. And um, so she was probably seven about this time, and she lived with us um, for a number of years. She was kind of like my foster sister. And all the, my mom had eight siblings, and when the cousins would all come to our place, we would, we would do things to Jill and um, because she was such a pain. And that she actually would say, mug me, mug me. Like, tie me up. And I'm like, this is, a, this is a different kid, right? So one day, we take Jill, we tie her to a chair, and we put this big for sale sign on her. We lived in this cottage t- town in, in Ontario, and we, we pick her up, and we put the chair beside the road, and we run behind the cottage, and we're just all on the ground laughing our heads off. It was not good. I, none of the family was redeemed at that point. I'm just going to say that. But we thought it was hilarious. And my mom's like, uh-oh. She looks out the window, and she goes, where's Jill? Uh-oh, right? So she figures it out. She runs to the road just in time to see this car drive by and this, this woman hanging out the window going, oh my God, there's a child for sale on the side of the road. Now, this is not funny today because we all know why. But and um, we all would have been taken from our parents at that point um, these days. But at the time, we thought it was, it was kind of funny. So um, anyway, the story we told at her wedding was nobody bought her. So... <laughs> Here we were for sale on the side of the road, and we were, we were slaves, and we, we were a piece of work. All of us were a piece of work, and Christ comes along and says, I love you. You are mine. I'm going to buy you, and he doesn't get to pull money out of his pocket and buy the slave. He has to go to a cross, and the king of heaven is insulted and beaten and tortured, and dies the most horrible death imaginable to humanity and says, this is how much I love you. You're not a slave to me. You are redeemed. I have bought you. And you are... Wait, wait, let's hear the change drop. I love that sound. Hear the chains fall. And he's free. And he's free to live for Christ. You know, and that's what grace is about. Living in the time of grace is the law could not give us the power to obey. But grace does. Grace does. Grace gives us the power to live free and stay free and see other people set free. So we are redeemed. We are bought at a great price. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Everybody say that. I am not my own. I was bought with a great price. I was bought with a great price. So on those times when you're like, you know, get your little nose up or put your hand on your hip and don't want to do what you think God is doing. Remember, you're not your own. You know, this is a divine romance, but it's also with the Lord of the universe. He is a sovereign God, and he expects us to do what he says. And sometimes, you know, the, the, the pendulum can swing too far one way or the other. It's a both end, right? And that's where the enemy attacks us on, is God good? Is he sovereign? Is he in control? Or am I going to have to handle this myself? 
And does he love me? The divine romance part, right? So um, those are the, the parts of pardon that are so important in our identity. They're not words we use very often. Justification, legal, okay? Purification, sin, freedom from sin. Sanctification, worship, being made fit and ready for heaven. Redeemed, bought by the blood of Christ. And then the next time we talk about identity, this is the P for pardon. The next word is adoption. And so here's, here's what Jesus says. We won't make you an orphan first. We'll just let you go straight to you are mine. So, so God says this is most, maybe the most impor- important part of your identity you belong. You know, sometimes if, even if you don't feel you belong to a people, which I hope we do, that we belong to the family of God, that we belong to one another, but we belong to Christ. You know, this is such a stunning thing to me this week. Um, we started the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, and um, it talks about being cleansed or being released, set free by the blood of Christ. And I, I was saying to somebody that the, f- the phrase Christ's blood is so familiar to me. And as I was sitting meditating on it, the Lord just seemed to drop into my spirit, God's blood. And I was like, oh, we don't say it that way. And I just had to say it a few times because it sounded so atrocious. It sounded so unthinkable. I get so familiar with the saying Christ's blood that he died for me and he shed his blood. But Christ is God. That God even has blood is an incredible thing. But that God would shed his own blood for me. Now, like, Do you get that? Do you, does, does that have that same effect on you? Because I'm like, I'm so familiar with the phrase Christ's blood. But as soon as I said God's blood, it just put me into awe and marvel and appreciation. Because God shed his blood for me. He became a man and grew up and lived and then didn't just leave me as a slave on the slave block and take me and put me to work in his mansion. He said, and now you're my child. You're part of the family. You're part of the family business. And here's your big brother, Jesus. Follow him. Paul says, I I, you follow me as I follow Christ. And so that's, that's the story of the gospel. So I think we better give uh, Bruce a hand here. You are Jesus's. Yay! Thank you. Yeah, I was teasing him this morning because he just said he was just going to sit. And then I said, well, you're going to sit and look, look pretty. So, um, so he was our Lana up here doing all our, our modeling. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll ask Sean and Teresa to just come up and, and close. So, Father, I thank you that you are the lover of our souls. I thank you that you love us with this incredible love that gives and gives and gives and, and, and just does not count the cost to yourself. You just gave your most precious thing, the Lord Jesus, and, and shed your blood, the blood of the one who spread the heavens and made the earth with his word, and the one who is coming again soon. And so, Lord, we want to be people who 
and not just know the truth in some nebulous way out there where we, we have heard these things before, but Father, I want them to be in the very core of who I am so that I live out of that truth of how precious I am to you and how incredibly loving and kind you are that you would value us so highly. And then the honor to be called the very dwelling place of God, that you would come and put the spirit of God in us. That is astounding. And so, Lord, I pray that these truths would penetrate our understanding. Lord, that they wouldn't just be head knowledge things, but they would be heart, life, coursing through our veins, uh, uh, just, I don't even know the word for it, just these truths that define us and that we would use those to define ourselves and to help others find their place in, um, in this incredible kingdom of heaven. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. We thank you that we are pardoned and brought in and declared not guilty and then positively declared righteous, declared uh, innocent, free, cleansed, holy, and that we're yours. Hallelujah. So amazing, God. We love you. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.